Welcome to the Stargate Archives, buried deep within Cheyenne Mountain. Good evening, good afternoon, and welcome to this latest episode of Stargate Archives. New content from the podcast formerly known as Gatecast. This week, as usual, but maybe not always, I'm joined by Brad. How are you, mate? Hello, Mike. Hello, team. Hello, crew. Hello, listeners. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. That covers everybody. The next five minutes or so are Brad reactions to the news of Stargate Origins tagged on to this episode because by the time it would be released when he recorded it who knows what might have happened i think the biggest concern i have i don't know what it is they didn't show or didn't say anything really new at sccc they just said hey we got this we're making it i haven't seen the video from the event so i don't don't know the specifics i've only sort of been going off what i've been hearing from uh, others some that have said that it's faithful to the free series of the tv show it's in canon and all that, then I've heard others that say, no, it's, it's pretty much the first, it's going to lead into what Dean Devlin and Emmerich were going to do with the movies. So all we know for sure is 10 minutes on a subscription service. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> as, as I've written on Facebook, I just view this as a start. MGM are putting the toe in the water, seeing what sort of response they can get, see uh, how the, the market reacts. I don't think it's a big drive to make MGM a streaming portal like CBS are doing in America with Star Trek Discovery. Could like Sanctuary lead to something a little bit bigger? It's going to be a local streaming service. Now, I don't know how that sort of content gets around the world to, say, you in England or me over in Australia. Um, but if they're trying to dip their toe in the water to see what sort of interest is still, is there still conventions going on today? What sort of market are they hoping to get with a streaming service there that they wouldn't get with conventions in certain countries around the world still getting stars still getting attendances and yeah. all that and it wouldn't cost them any money they could just do a head count from these <laughs> events but i suppose that's not really getting the general audience it could also be if somebody within mgm are looking at web-based content and is willing to commit some resources to some new talent let's see what you can do with one of our franchise pieces yeah no i'm i'm, I'm glad we're getting something new it's not to continue on from universe, which I'd prefer, but I think that boat sailed and we can't really expect that to happen nowadays with uh, people moving on and uh, stuff like that. But the whole marketing of it just didn't really let us know what it's going to be. Like they showed footage from the original movie, yet it's a TV gate on the poster. So they got themselves in a mess because A, San Diego is the place where you want to announce anything. Yeah. And they didn't have anything ready. Yeah, they, they could celebrate the 20th anniversary. That's fine. So obviously that seems a reasonable time to announce they're actually going to produce some new content. Which is all good. Like it's not. We don't now have six months for them to produce a TV, a 10 episode TV series or something. Yeah, they're not going to claim it's going to change the world. It's going to you know re rewrite the way TV sci-fi is done. Yeah, I think my only concern about it is the uh, sort of what we got from that trailer. That whole, you thought you know the story, but well, we're going to tell you what the story really was. And <laughs> that little thing that sort of has sunk so many movies. Well, there are huge gaps in the timeline. That's the only thing you can say about Stargate, where oh, yeah. the gate yep. was just 
sitting there doing something or nothing. We've always assumed it's done nothing. Yeah. They've got a time frame where they can tell a story. It's up to them yeah. if they can tell it right. Yeah, Tormentor Tandler showed us that there's a story there and ways of doing it. Just the idea, that simple idea. How did they even consider it could do that? Well, we heard during the series that uh, from Catherine that in the 40s they were testing it, they thought it might have been a weapon. Like just that, it, having it in a military bunker, running tests on it to see if it could help them win the war or something, I'd, like a period piece, I'd be quite happy. But again, 10 episodes of 10 minutes, you're not going to get a whole lot of plot and a whole lot of backstory. And, you know, continuing and Ock did well for uh, an hour and a half. And Children of the oh, Gods. Oh, yeah, I suppose. Children yeah, of yeah. the Gods, you know. We'll see, won't we? Yeah, yeah, time will tell. So, something to look forward to, anyway. Yeah, no, I thought uh, more of a talking point may have been the uh, 20th anniversary of SG-1. Um, <laughs> this, this sort of clouded over it. I'm never really sure about what you can what you can celebrate unless, you know, the property owner really goes hell for leather with it. Yeah. You know, there aren't any huge standalone Stargate conventions like Trek had, although there were a lot of people complaining that even Paramount didn't do original series justice on their 50th. Mm. I mean, what was what was their big announcement? Oh, we're going to have a new series. Oh, well, never mind. They perhaps should have waited announcing that for another year. Yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I suppose we could be all sitting around the computer now sulking that there's nothing for the 20th. I'd be watching Farscape or Babylon 5. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, exciting times. I'll have to re repin Gateworld to the top of my browser. <laughs> She's been a while since I've been there, but they were interviewed for the official Stargate podcast. Okay, nice. This week we're going to be discussing Cold Lazarus. Hmm. This was an episode that another one of our former guest hosts from the Gatecast. Refused to do when I asked him about it. So, so Brad Lum got yeah, lumbered with it. he went with the next one. <laughs> What's that Stargate convention in Australia later this year? Return to the Gate. Is that close to you? I think one's at Melbourne and another one's at... Uh... This is the first I'm hearing of this. Ooh, the Hub Productions. Melbourne would definitely be the close one. You'd think Sydney or Brisbane would be the other. They're normally the big ones. I have to look into that because every time, even Supernova in April, sitting there man the table and along comes two dudes dressed up in SG-1 gear. I'm like, yeah. oh, 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 because I, I was in my prime suit, so I'm like, oh, I can't get a photo with them in my prime suit. <laughs> yeah, you always you always see Stargate people dressed up at the events, and I know Chris Judge gets out here a fair bit, and I'd love to actually attend the event, not for the club and for myself. I spent 200 bucks on a four suit for a years ago and haven't worn it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, not sure what the exchange rate is, but yowza. It wouldn't surprise me. It's going to cost... Mind you, you have got Richard Dean Anderson, Amanda Tapping, Michael Shanks, Walter, Jonas. Oh, well, it's 100 bucks just to get the wife and kids into Comic-Con this weekend. Yeah, Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah. What's the name of it? I'm saying you and I am. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to look at that now, otherwise it'll be another half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be uh, discussing Cold Lazarus. Uh, this was written by Jeff King and directed by Ken Girotti. First aired August 29th, 1997. Ah, yes, that was a special year. Why? <laughs> Much loved movies coming out that year. There were some clunkers, but hey, I still enjoyed Batman and Robin. <laughs> and I'll go now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I won't be able to name any film that came out in 1990. Men in Black. Two years before The Matrix, but... Uh, Jurassic Park 2. Uh, it was 20 years ago. That's a, that's a long time. 
I know, that makes it even worse. <laughs> right then, Cold Lazarus opens up on a very colour-timed desert landscape. Yeah, was that an effect, or did they actually find some sulphur fields or something? I'm sure that if you go back to the Gatecast recording, that probably was made clear. I can't remember myself. That does look a ridiculously yellow-yellow, though. Yeah, yep. There was some tweaking in the post-processing department, I'm sure, of. We've got the full team there. Everybody's gloved up, except Jack, if you uh, quick look at the hands. Sunglasses are the standard feature. A number of blue crystals littering the ground in uh, very aesthetically pleasing clumps. Oh, crap. Sorry, I well, <laughs> I just looked at that website. Wow, $170 to get in for a day. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You said you weren't going to. Damn it. Notes, notes, notes. We get some of this opening dialogue. Still being early season one, the writers sort of getting everyone into their feel and the mood, getting everyone into the positions, but I've, I've got me notes. Ew. Chemistry, like everything, has got to be worked on, hasn't it? Very few shows manage to really hit it out of the park straight away. Everything's got to be tweaked. The writers got to learn how the actors, you know, interact with the characters and the characters interact with each other. Mm. It takes a bit of time. I love how they're looking for a complete crystal. Are they looking to put something on their mantelpiece or... Well, I suppose so. Daniel's picking up some nice big chunks of crystal that <laughs> sort of still have their top section and would display nicely, but I don't know what the uh, need to find a complete one is. They're not like plants where you're looking for a root mm-hmm. system. Although we get one a little bit later. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, They're granite, not volcanic. Sam's a geologist again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for some reason Jack goes wandering off, which is never a good idea when you're on an alien planet. Yeah. And he, do, he does let Tilk, does he, he calls Tilk over to follow him, nothing, Tilk doesn't. Well, he spends, the whole, time, just yeah, he spends the whole time talking to him, and then as he goes to walk off, he gestures to him, gives him a hit, secret squirrel hand signal, and then walks off. It's like, you're just talking to him, there's no enemy there, why can't you say, hey, I'm going over here, I'm not back in five minutes, just wait longer. <laughs> I mean, considering we're on a planet full of sand dunes as well, you know, where he's standing, he hasn't got a great view. Obviously, plot required that Jack was by himself for a while. So why say anything? Why not even just say, uh, I'm just going to look over that ride, be back in a sec. It's even worse because when they get back to the briefing room in a minute, they said they've they done reconnaissance on a 10-mile radius of the gate. I don't believe them. <laughs> Maybe your pedometer said you've walked 10 miles round circles while you're checking. <laughs> yeah, so then we get this kind of skewed blue point of view. It seems to be coming from something low the ground. What could Very that be? blue. <laughs> Very, yes. Again, sort of one extreme to the other, from the yellow to the blue. I don't know if it sort of contrasts that well. especially doesn't help out the CG any. They've got to fuzz it a little bit just to try and make it look <laughs> half decent. But, um, yeah, Jack finds a big one sticking out of the sand. Yeah. One day, members of the Stargate Command will learn not to touch things. <laughs> especially with bare skin. They don't learn. <laughs> <laughs> It's rather disappointing, but anyway, he touches it, some sort of shock, some sort of force field. Jack gets flown through the air, crashing into a sand dune. At least it's reasonably comfortable, probably not going to break any bones or anything. Looks like popcorn when you get that real close-up behind his head. It's like large <laughs> either popcorn or honey puffs or some sort of breakfast cereal. That could be a mixture of set and location work. Yeah. But there's suddenly there's uh, two Jacks. Where'd this one come from? Bizarre. We assume that the one lying unconscious is the real Jack. The other one seems confused, almost as if, what happened? What am yeah. I? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's almost on? that comedic look at Jack, look back somewhere else, look at Jack, back somewhere else. Like, just not, I'll get it eventually when I keep on looking at one thing or the other. But one great thing here, too, we start getting Daniel over the radio saying we're heading back and um, <laughs> asks Carter if he's using it right. But while the, the transmit button's <laughs> yeah. still down, that could have been a good bit of comedy if Jack was actually responding to him. No, no voice, no, no nothing. Jack just sort of turns around, or clone Jack just turns around and starts walking away. Oh, picks the MP5 up. Yep. By the magazine, which shows he doesn't know anything no. about guns. What you'd expect. Definitely, though, it might have been interesting if they hadn't shown Unconscious Jack. Yeah. If they'd have played it like he'd actually had a, a brain trauma or something, you know, memory problems. Well, even if you sort of showed sort of this one laying beside Jack and getting up, not saying Jack laying beside him, but just actually seeing him get up off the ground so he's cloned him as he was lying down or whatever, however the hell that works. But just so, yeah, you sort of think, okay, well, he just got a boot by electricity or something, so he's not really thinking straight at the moment. Yeah, they decided not to do anything that subtle. Anyway, they get back to the SGC. Good to see that they've got uh, radiation detectors. They're actually uh, doing some sort of preventative quarantining, even if they haven't got any dedicated quarantine facilities set up. Yet they mustn't go and do a checkup. Normally, isn't that something they do to make <laughs> sure they haven't got a snake in their head? Yeah, that was supposed to be rather an important consideration. After poor Charles... Yeah, even if he's sort of a clone or however, however it works, I suppose he'd probably get through a test anyway, but my whole argument would be, well, he hasn't said a word since getting back that we know of. Well, he's standing on the ramp, yeah. just looking around. Somebody should go, is he all right? You know, should we tell somebody? Uh, no. He... Well, again, that's sort of the <laughs> earliness of the season, because we sort of get later. Sam doesn't even know anything about him, really. Whereas if it was sort of season eight or nine... You'd think that'd definitely be a uh, consideration. It's probably just very intimidating. Mm. <laughs> Look yeah. what he did to Daniel the other week. Nice conversation, well, yeah. <laughs> then beat the crap out of him. <laughs> Sam says he's taking the samples to decontamination, which way? Sensible. And then we go to the yeah. locker room, which looks a different locker room to the ones with the adjoining showers. That's the same sex locker room that has certain timings to be in there. Yeah. Cheyenne Mountain is a big complex. Surely they've got male and female, if they go that far. You assume they're not quite ready for unisex yeah, and in locker rooms at this point. Each got their own locker in there, unbolt it from the wall and take the men's ones out or the female one out and bolt it in another room and put a door on the front of it. Yeah. To be fair, there are not that many female personnel yeah. on level 28. There are not that many female members of SG teams at the moment. Yeah. I mean, it's almost as if Sam's locker room between five and six... <laughs> We get Jack looking at an old battered cigar box full of uh, photographs and his wedding ring. They couldn't have got an early MacGyver photo to put in there to show him pre-army for a little <laughs> Easter egg. Yeah. It'd have worked, wouldn't it? Wouldn't, wouldn't have mattered. It'd his have... young rebellious self before he went and joined the military. I got Star Wars flashbacks when Sam commented about sand. That sand gets everywhere. <laughs> 97, coming out before yeah. it, so... Oh, God. Okay. It's a Star Wars one that's burnt in my yeah. mind. <laughs> I also got a note here, bled in from once we got to the opening credits, a new score. We don't have the traditional Stargate score or the uh, Gould theme playing. There's something new. Joel's doing something new here, but I'm not necessarily a fan of it. Especially when we get to the piano version of the Stargate <laughs> theme. It's not something I need to hear on screen. Yeah, we get the, a little bit of background on some as well. Auntie Samantha. Yeah. We get mention of her brother, of course. We don't get a huge amount of detail of immediate family this early on, or else we do meet the brother later on. 
we get a Holy Hannah here to, oh, soon as well, which I thought was interesting. Yes, we do. So Jack, basically, basically giving her the cold shoulder rub. Sam's doing her best to make conversation. She opens up with Jack. Yeah. He's gone. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> See you later. Off he goes down the corridor. Tilk. Tilk kind of intercepts him. <laughs> uh, you, you promised me a, a trip to your world. Not yet. Not now. Which wouldn't that be a conversation better had with Hammond? I assume the general must have given permission at this point. Yeah. Next time he's free. You know, he said, you've got to go with Jack, though. Yeah, you can't go with, you know, the yeah. next private that's got a couple of hours off. And Tilk just stands there. Mm. No expression on his face at all. It's hard to tell if he's annoyed or he's just saying, oh, well. Cold shoulder. <laughs> yeah. We get Sam and Daniel. A little bit of interaction there. Daniel lays a bit of Jack's background. Yeah, again, you'd think this would have been talked about beforehand. It would have been brought up mm. if only in, you know, Scuttlebutt. The colonel liked to work with, you know. We heard about his family and, you know, go on. Something that yeah. would have been talked about even in the military. We also get um, the crystals are emitting a low-level EM radiation or EM energy that had the ability to cause fridge magnets to stop working. <laughs> yeah. You learn or at least told yeah. things something new every episode. That's assuming you can take your eye off of the incredibly phallic-looking crystal that's <laughs> in the middle of the laboratory. We found an intact <laughs> one. My, isn't that a big one? The lab assistant is Carmen Moore. Uh, first appearance on Stargate. She returns for an episode of Stargate Atlantis. Very busy in the Canadian TV market. And we jump now to uh, Jack's house, or Sarah's house. Yeah, that was one thing. Sort of before we was looking through the box, you had the old letters from Sarah. We see the, the home address written up the top corner. He, um, he can't speak, but he can use the white pages or something to locate Sarah's house. Because we, have, we haven't seen him with the memories yet. He's used the letters to get there. Well, perhaps some very nice sergeant on the oh, main yeah. gate says, where are you going, Colonel? You, you want to live? Point the envelope to him. <laughs> yeah, there we go. No problem, sir. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll go in that way anyway. And he just turns up there like a stalker and just stands and watches. For God knows how long. This is where we meet Sarah O'Neill, Haley Jane Kozak, working on a car, which is the sort of woman you'd expect Jack to marry probably wouldn't marry someone who's just there to look good you know he's going to marry somebody who works with their hands yeah sit on the couch watch the tv with know, might be just me, but the very first moment we've seen her and she started talking i thought sarah connor just with shorter hair <laughs> <laughs> pulls out a shotgun especially with jack standing there like that <laughs> you should have said something I, I did yeah i mean she says how long have you been standing there even she's a bit free <laughs> I mean, at this point, you could assume that she hasn't seen him for who knows how long. She was already gone when he got back from Abydos, so... Well, yeah, because when we saw mm. the movie, he was still there at the movie. He was in total depression, lowest point after Charlie's death. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Daniel said at some point that uh, after the Abydos mission, she was gone. Or he might have said when he got back, she was already gone. Might have been talking to Kowalski when he was strapped up in the operation table. Yeah, it would make sense. Who knows? He could have left a letter, no, mm. expecting never to return. And the only good thing, if they were still married, there would yeah. be uh, the retirement pension. It'd be interesting what sort of details <laughs> that went into. Well, you'd think killed in action, <laughs> location classified. Yeah, all that details would probably be left in an envelope in a filing cabinet somewhere in the Pentagon or somewhere. Like he would have been too prideful to tell her yeah. what was going on. He would have just left. I think the Kurt Russell Jack anyway, <laughs> with one L. Yeah. 
she's not very happy with him can't really blame us a lot backstory that we know that we don't know obviously the breakup and the immediate aftermath of uh, the loss of their son did not go well a father is uh, staying with her he comes out he actually opens the conversation up very well if, if this is your way of yeah it's sort of they're both the reaction to seeing him sort of it's not one of hostility or anything it's sort of she's sort of okay starts talking to him and then he has to bloody he has to drop the charlie name and upset her which leads her to run back into the house and the father comes out and says oh you'd think he'd come out with a shotgun and go go on boy get out of here <laughs> after what's happened yeah you're not, you're not welcome here at all but come in have some cocoa and he sees the bicycle outside too and it's like she says oh, i kept some of these things and then we get upstairs and go, no, you kept everything. <laughs> yeah. The the bedroom as it was. Well, it'd be over a year. Yeah, it is interesting, though. I mean, yeah. obviously, they had a good marriage. And yep. their father approved of Jack. I mean, we, we see a few flashbacks. They look happy. He's good with Charlie. He's a military man. He Obviously, he spends enough time, you know, at a local base at home to have a good marriage. The very fact that they both, Sarah and her father can see that something is wrong with him it's not the depression that we saw in the movie it is like a lost little boy you know like something's broke in him that gets him through the door and the very fact how he reacts to all the i'm going to say memorabilia but it... <laughs> <laughs> well basically again in the the set dresser went a bit nuts i have one note here of the set dressing lego shuttle which i had when i was young <laughs> again <Yeah>. 1997 <laughs> love it I assume the picture of Charlie didn't originate from his room. Yeah. That must have been an addition after the fact. I can't recall. Have we seen any photos of Charlie in the series proper or not? I don't believe so, not at this point. So I was just wondering if they got the same actor back from an earlier episode, but I don't think I don't think we've seen it before, so I only mentioned word. I would say we saw something in the movie, but then again, yeah, we changed yep. the name, so what, what the hell? Right, we jump back to the SGC. Uh, Tilk walks into his quarters, hmm. somebody else's quarters. Yeah, there's a TV in there. I'm not sure. Yeah, he picks up the remote, <laughs> turns the TV on. Riots, riots, more riots, uh, violence. Yes, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, what wouldn't I have given if it was Beavers and Button? Oh, yeah, about four years too late for that. <laughs> four years too late. <laughs> or even Ren and Stimpy. Ren and Stimpy did it too, just the, the aesthetic of it. Anything. Homer. Simpsons are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, just see Homer torturing himself. Yeah, it's not a very good impression. I'm surprised, though, if that's the first time Tilk's watched television. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, I'll give it another go. Oh, it's the same crap again. <laughs> yes. We get the great line, your world is a strange place. And from Daniel, so is yours. <laughs> we jump back to the bedroom. There's a lot of quick cutting in this. A lot of short scenes. Yeah, yeah, that's one thing. He sort of cut back and forth. Yeah, definitely the way the director actually, you know, structured this episode. More flashbacks. Sarah and uh, Jack on the porch, hugging, kissing. Where's Charlie? Oh, he's around here somewhere. Then we get the gunshot. Yeah. They both know exactly what's happened. Not good, not good at all. But a little bit of levity to counteract that depressing scene. At first, I thought they were in a lab. Yeah, oh yeah, I didn't realise it was a gate room. Yeah, it makes sense for them to be in a laboratory or a secure facility with shielding or something. Tilt's got his staff weapon, <laughs> they've got the crystal, he shoots it, alarms go off, and then 
they're in the gate room. You Next did get, to a Stargate. You did get permission for me to fire this in the gate room, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. They've gone. <laughs> yeah. Wells Hammond, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, unusual, but but even funny. with the even if it was in sort of the labs we've seen, we've still got the air quotes blinky light machines and that all around them. You'd think it'd be so someone with bare walls, so when these if the crystals exploded and threw shards everywhere, it wouldn't lodge into important things. But no, they just uh, there are much safer ways to do this experiment than actually have somebody holding the weapon as well. Yeah, who knew how the the crystal would react? For all they know, when them, those other crystals on the planet got fired at by a staff weapon, there could have been some sort of energy discharge. It could yeah. have killed dozens of uh, Jafar. Well, that's it again. You've, you've seen it's putting out a low EM field out of it. Like, how's that going to react when it explodes? <laughs> well, they find out. Yeah, didn't you bring a bag <laughs> a bag full of broken crystals back and can't you just go down to that little room you got at the very bottom that put bombs in and just shoot it down yeah. there? Surround it by, you know, heavy heavy tarpaulins as well to catch catch any debris from flying around. It was funny, though. I think that was probably the point of it. Yeah. So we get the shards under some sort of uh, imaging device, a molecular scanner. I'm telling the computer to build a 3D model. <laughs> yes. Not, I'm running some software that will build a 3D model. I'm actually programming this on the fly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't part of the actual system we're using. I'm actually creating new technology. Because <laughs> I'm that smart. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Daniel wanders over and gets a little bit too close. This is the first time he's actually looked at it closely or focused on it, and um, he gets he sees his face inside it. Yes, it was me. <laughs> what was? <laughs> <laughs> Just look closer. Another jump back to the homestead, the O'Neill uh, household. Uh, Sarah and Jack again, talking about baseball. Jack mentions the Stargate. She's not. This is where she kind of loses patience with him. Yeah. You notice very much that he's mimicking her. You know, when she originally smiles, he smiles back. His old face lights up when he, when he actually smiles. Makes sense. He doesn't understand the world he's in, the bodies he's in, the emotional makeup of the human being he's mimicking. Uh, whoever he's talking to is smiling, he'll smile. Yeah, trying his best to fit in. Yeah. Back to the lab. It's Sam this time looks, and this is where we get the uh, holy Hannah when the, the face in the crystal says, help us. Mm-hmm. And then we get Walter. Why is it spinning? The gate starts up. It's like, it's like they've never seen the Stargate come on before. Panic, panic. <laughs> go, it's done this before. It has, hasn't it? Yeah, I think it has, you know, yeah. Just his dialogue. It's like, what, why is it spinning? Spinning <laughs> <laughs> the other way this time. Yeah. I didn't think it spun for incoming wormholes, but again, okay. Um, but everyone's on high alert. Alarm's going off. Someone's coming in. They have our codes. They don't say an SG-1 code, they just say it's there's no RS because we're getting a code. Okay, then. Which uh, Can't be that many SG teams off-world at the moment. Yeah, well, I think someone says no one's off-world or something, so guards, get your guns and get ready, and in walks Jack. Well, I tell you, if somebody had thrown a grenade through the gate, they'd kill everybody. Oh, yeah. Because there are so many men crowded into that gate room. Roll a gold stun ball down the ramp. Yeah. Throughout the entire history of Stargate Command, automated defences never was was a factor. No, and it's always well, it's always downfall. And I suppose plot being plot, you need to uh, allow some sort of foothold situation in the gate room at least. Anyway, Jack, what what leave me behind? Yeah, very indignant. Mm. Why are you pointing guns at me, General? General, <laughs> it's me. 
No, generals take the viewpoint that this is an imposter. Put him in the holding cell. Yes. 19D, so uh, <laughs> maybe some of them isolation cells have been turned into holding cells now. Here's something. Take 19C and make it into a men's locker room. Yeah, why not? <laughs> but we get we get a bit of comedic stuff here with RDA yelling at the camera as well. Oh, yeah. Get me the hell out of here. Uh, that sounds like O'Neill. He's already <laughs> said more in the last five minutes than the other guy said the whole time he's been back here. At this point, any one of them could say the other one was acting a little strange. Yeah. And you didn't mention anything. You've been off-world, and you didn't mention anything. Uh, no. Right, jump back. We're in a small park. Sam and Jack again. Don't know why they've left the house, but they're in their heart-to-heart. And then... It looks like he's short-circuiting, you know. Little bolts of electricity zooming around his body. Yeah, She's panicking. I've got in my notes here the start of Sarah's mental breakdown. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah, seeing someone arcing out. and It's weird that she decides, oh, I'm going to take you to the hospital. Yeah, I'm going to pick you up and take you to the car. Yeah, personally, I'll take you and tie you to a tree and then run as far away as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That poster I saw about dealing with the, uh, you know, electric shocks. Never touch the person who's being shocked. Yeah. Unless you've got a piece of wood or something, you know. Okay. I'm. How many times I'm going to say back to in this episode? I won't uh, deny it. I am preferring when we go back to the SGC this fast. <laughs> <laughs> right. Doctor Fraser examined this version of Jack. She's happy. You know, he's fine. This is, as far as I can tell, Jack O'Neill. Yeah, opinion examination wasn't done on the other one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they see a bit of footage. Well, yeah, that's that's also Jack O'Neill. Mm. <laughs> Not very good. Something's no. gone wrong. We get Sam start to hypothesise about what may have been happening here, which is one hell of a jump. She tells Hammond about the face that they see in the crystal and that it replicated their face. And maybe if it can replicate our face, a bigger crystal with more power can replicate a person. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, that needed a little bit more work. I mean, they actually do manage to communicate with the, you know, the life form that inhabits the crystal, or the crystal itself explains that they're a... Uh, oh, what's the word? Not uh Or their energy. They're a single consciousness, the unity. Oh, unity. Yeah. Unity, peace, love. <laughs> I <hate laughs> yeah. <that> voice. <laughs> Part of it's broken off and formed itself into Jack exactly why they can't explain at this point that's left for clone jack to actually explain but we do learn that the pit they found him in was a mass grave they welcomed the jafar the gold that came to their world one of them touched one of the crystals got a shock died the jafar a little bit more proactive when it comes to what could be an attack against one of them yeah they basically rounded them up and massacred them which makes you wonder they had to touch him to pick him up. <laughs> oh. Well, gloves. Gloves, yeah. that's all you need. Gloves. <laughs> I, haven't seen, I haven't seen gloves in the Jafar world yet, but anyway. Um... They probably figured it out. Yeah, don't touch it. The Jafar are not stupid. Occasionally, for the plot requirement, they act stupid, but they're not. <laughs> Moments of excellence. <laughs> we get all this dialogue and plot, but it doesn't really... Okay, well, we know what Jack is now, or what double Jack is, but it's sort of... It's just here to say, yep, well, you're, you're right. The gold come in that we, they ran us all up in a pit and killed us all as a mass grave. Which brings me back to the gate room earlier where they shoot one with a staff weapon. Did they just kill someone? <laughs> Is that murder? 
interesting, isn't it? Or was it, an, <laughs> it was it an inactive crystal? We can we can assume that was one of the dead crystals, one that had already been damaged. Yeah. We get into the briefing room, explain that there's a radiation leakage, ionising radiation, which is cumulative. <laughs> it's bleeding nuclear radiation. Yes, Convenient. not good. No, they got to go and find him. Yes, Sam remembers the, the pictures. Oh, yeah, that's right. Figures out where this version of Jack could probably head to. Tilt wants to take his weapon. <laughs> I have seen your world. I will need it. Yeah. <laughs> then we get the Predator score. Yes. Did you hear that? It was very, if not very close to it, at least the intent was there. Yeah, it wasn't. Like, they've taken the notes and used them in their own score. They haven't actually ripped it straight up, but... Oh, Joel, what are you doing? This score is... Hot. I don't know what he was doing in this nope. episode. We keep saying it's Joel, and while he did, mo- you know, the vast majority uh, early on, there were other composers oh, yeah. working on the show. Yeah. This could be one of those other people. Sweet from Cold Lazarus, written by Richard Band. Mm. Oh, is that on the soundtrack? Yes. Oh, so I'm going to be listening to it about 20 minutes time. <laughs> <laughs> Just a quick word. I recently bought the uh, CD soundtrack of Richard's work on Stargate SG-1. And I've got to admit, listening to the music just by itself adds so much more than listening to the edited versions on the TV show. Well worth listening to. The general gives Tilk a baseball cap. Yeah, hide the symbol. Perfect. That and many other hats will grace Tilk's head for the rest of the year, <laughs> rest of the run of the show. Well, where are we now? Is this first time off base and first hat? Yes. Like he says, he, you know, you promised we could leave this place, visit your world. Yeah, yep, good point, yep. So he's visiting a hospital. <laughs> mm. The American health system, up close and personal. Yeah, a lot of people waiting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all filling out from the insurance forms. <laughs> yeah. Slowly bleeding to death. Pull out your form first. Does anyone have a panda? <laughs> Jack is lying on the hospital bed, I assume, in ER. He actually has some memory of this place. It's actually the same hospital where they brought Charlie. Interesting line. They brought Charlie here. He wasn't brought by an ambulance, so they've gone up and grabbed him, which also means he wasn't fatal when he got shot. I imagine that even if you couldn't find a pulse, you'd wrap his head and grab him and you'd run. Yeah, him being military, you'd think. He couldn't even at that point... Explain to Sarah, he's dead. Yeah. She'd be grabbing him and rushing him out the door. Yeah, hysterical, yep. No, I just sort of, when I heard it, I was like, okay, well, maybe it wasn't life-threatening until, like, it was the time to get to the hospital without calling an ambulance, that um, when it happened, not necessarily he was dead in the room. Yeah, I suppose they could literally be just up the road. Yeah. Not quite sure. The layout of, that's a point. It'd be Colorado Springs, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm just wondering, where where would Jack be living at that point? There's no reason he'd be living near Cheyenne Mountain. Well, that's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Unless there's some other base there somewhere. For the story, for SG-1, it's got to be close. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So Jack O'Neill in the movie was living close as well, off base. We'll go with it. Yeah. (laughs) Fake Jack is saying he's got to get back to the Stargate. That's when he gets the, the sparks, the shocks again. Very, very pronounced, getting stronger and stronger. Again, Sarah, nightmares for years. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to have gotten dark very quick, although they don't really explain that, well, it was daylight at the park. Yeah. Well, you again, American medical establishment, yeah, it's, it's, were you waiting it's a long time? It's taken this long. 
<laughs> this Jack didn't have any ID with him. Yeah. Oh, he didn't imagine. Who knows? SG-1 on the way. They've got radiation suits, Uber flashlights. The power's going to be shut off to the hospital. I don't know. I assume that's some sort of preventative yeah. measure to stop. I'm not sure why. Is he feeding off the power grid or something when he's doing it? Like, it's weird. Like, the, you get the sheriff saying that they're about to cut the power, and then they're in there with flashlights. Like, well, you're going to be in radiation suits. You can't see out of them to start with, so you don't want it to be dark while you're in there. Unless he's just looking for the blue glow. Could be. I mean, if you've got the power, the, the wiring is still a conduit. Yeah, well, he's still going to spark and short-circuit stuff out if he hits it with his lightning sets. Look, somebody was a fan of the X-Files, and they just wanted to use those great torches. <laughs> Always looks so good on the Xbox. Yeah. They get to wherever Fake Jack is. It looks like it's on a higher level, so I wouldn't have thought it was ER. Hmm. They have a little one-to-one, and you've come to destroy me. Obviously, uh, he doesn't... That's what he assumes. That's his experience. And then energy discharge again. Real Jack gets flown back. Everybody gets flown back. Yeah, this was hard to read because we see someone get thrown back. And then they crawl forward and pick up the radiation detector again. And Sam talking that it's starting to decline where I didn't know if it was Jack. I thought it was Jack that got thrown, but then it seemed like Sam that was getting up from after being thrown. Oh, they all did. Oh, okay. Yeah, we, we got Jack initially. You got flown back into some racking, but then we yeah. got a quick shot of everybody else also being blown back. Oh, okay. Right. That's what it was. Then. I thought they were around the corner. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought they were still outside. I thought only Jack went yeah. in there open plan area of the hospital you know yeah the force of the blast to knock somebody off the feet and throw them 20 feet through the air probably just sent everything going well there's that <laughs> as well how come there's still other dollies beside him and that the yeah. bed's still beside him as well yeah it was just interesting because even before they go in there carter's like on the little geiger meter or whatever he's saying radiation's in the red the suits aren't they only sort of if it's mild radiation yes <laughs> and then if the radiation's in the red even if emitting radiation dies down, isn't everything around him radioactive? You would have thought so. Okay, I'll stop. Okay. <laughs> Look, they've got supposedly airtight suits with head coverings with no zippers or anything. We've seen them before. This is Star Trek level contamination suits. Original series Star Trek contamination suits. The radiation exposure's been reduced. They can approach him safely. It has to get a decent conversation. He explains why he's done this. The gore came, they, you know, they killed everybody. He, he expected reprisals for hurting Jack. He thought, oh, I, I can help him, I can heal him. Then he realised that the greatest pain that Jack was suffering was emotional pain, so yeah. deduced that it was Charlie from the memories he had taken. Didn't realise that for these biologic beings there was death involved. The mind of the warrior, he said, which is perfect. And he decided he, if he got Charlie, bring him back to the planet, that would probably save his people. Mm-hmm. At that point, he began to realise that, you know, Charlie isn't around anymore. Yeah, that would be a instant shift into a horror movie if he actually did go and get Charlie. But um, <laughs> that's sort of good that they do come straight out and say, no, we're just we're here, we want to understand, they're not here. I wonder if they said, yeah, you're right, we, are, we do want to kill you or something, if he just explode in energy or... Some, be some sort of you would have thought so yeah he wouldn't have tried to control it at the very least yeah this is great therapy for jack though uh yeah but when he becomes charlie no i, I think just basically oh, hearing, talking to him. Yeah. yeah yeah hearing how he is perceived from another alien from an alien yeah 
you know, I, I think that helps to shape how Jack views, well, everybody except the Toker and the Gord, of course. <laughs> Nothing much changes there. Yeah. I think it certainly breaks down a few barriers for him. When when Charlie appears, that's a whole different ball game. Yeah. It's very, Charlie's always with you, he's there. I went, oh, God, no. I'll wait for that finger to glow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it, it just won't stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't I couldn't remember the episode fully, and I'll just wait for it to glow and touch him on the head or the chest. Did, like... did you bring my bike? <laughs> well, we said it earlier. Yeah, the uh, he knows he's dying. He knows it's gone past the point where being taken back to the planet is going to save him. He's used whatever is the last of his energy to turn into Charlie. You'd think if he knew, if he like he's said before, I've got to get back to the Stargate. You'd think if Death was involved, he'd probably be a bit more trying to get back there. I don't know. Perhaps he, he still believes that there's something he can do for him. But then I suppose they do say too that they don't understand Death as we do. No, I think because they are a life form that is basically one life form, and this is just part of you know the collective energy. He may still consider at least in a similar theme, that Jack and Charlie are one. Yeah. And if he can do something for Jack now, then he's done something for the whole, and that gives his death a little bit of a meaning. Because the whole purpose of this was to avoid reprisals, and I think this is what pretty much underscores it. Yeah. But Sarah has every right to freak out. Oh, the very fact that she doesn't. I can see her brain is melted and running out her ears. She's... She's getting locked up in a psychiatric ward after this. Yeah, saying this isn't Charlie doesn't quite cut it. No, she has no idea about anything other than what she's seen on sci-fi TV, really, if she even watches yeah. it. After what we've seen earlier, I, I doubt it. Here's someone that looks exactly like your son that died a, over a year ago. It's okay, it's not him, but he's got someone he wants to say to you. Like, <laughs> no, this is, this is I, I hate this, this is horrible. There's no point to it. No. There's no... If this was a different science fiction film, yes. It's not like, oh, well, now he's reverted, but down to a smaller size, he's stable now, so guess who's coming home for dinner? Like, it's not... There's no emotional healing here by having to see your dead son back and just, like, literally walking around smiling, holding Jack's hand. There's not even the little nod saying, at least I got to say goodbye. Yeah, but when you're not, because it's not him. It's not, it's not like Charlie's consciousness is alive and in that boy it's still the entity just sit there smiling hi mum <laughs> yeah basically just gave him an easy way out to take the alien out of the hospital into the helicopter and flying back to stargate command without arcing out again yeah put him in a helicopter after you know he has radiation and everything else like what's there's no there's not one bit of line there's not one bit of dialogue to say oh, i've gone into a smaller form so i can control it better or anything as far as i know he's still breaking down I mean, some of the nurses were probably saying, oh, he's better now, you know, because they're, they're seeing Jack walking around perfectly fine now. Yeah. Who's the boy? Yeah. <laughs> so where's the Benny Black coming around after neuralizers? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so this would take some paperwork to clean up, wouldn't it? Yeah, you've got a damaged yeah. hospital, you've got nurses and that saying energy coming out of a person. <laughs> I mean, if, if it had been, you know, the Air Force hospital that we know, isn't that far away? Yeah. They could have cleared all this up and put a nice little bow on it. But they kind of just brushed it all to the side. Don't worry about it. Even the fact that when they finally get back to the Stargate Command and the, the alien is waiting to return, what happened to the other one? Yeah. Did they take it through the gate or did it die in the laboratory, in the death camp? 
Yeah, that's it. It just says, oh, I haven't got enough power to talk now. Shut down. It <laughs> goes back to sleep yeah. mode. It just, yeah, okay. help, help us. Okay, we'll take you and take you back right away. Yeah. And then who knows? It could have given us some extra information. All that extra information they got could have come from this alien after you'd taken them back to their home world. Yeah. This is how you get the other one. Yeah. Carter says before they go out that um, electromagnetic, oh God, electromagnetic fields um, weaker or something than the other planets. So that's why they're degrading so fast or degrading at all. You'd think that'd be okay. You go and get you Jack and go and get other Jack, and I'll take this back to me and Daniel. Take this back to the planet or something. Yeah, of course we don't know what was filmed and what was cut out for time. Yeah. Whenever we've listened to a commentary track, most of the time the director says, I had to put all, all manner of stuff to make it fit. Mm. Who knows, that could have been a scene that was cut out. But we get Jack on the ramp, uh, he's back to his normal self. Well, he never was anything different, really. Looks around, keep the lights on, I'll be back. Well, hey, we finish on a funny. Yeah. <laughs> a very emotional episode for not Jack and for Sarah. And Jack is just being a bit of a goofball, really, at the end. Yeah, feels like an episode that probably should have come after The Enemy Within. Just that dealt with Walski, and now this one needs to deal with Sarah and Daniel stuff to move. Uh, Sarah and Daniel, Sarah and Charlie stuff to move forward. It's interesting that this whole time Sarah and the father have sort of opened to reconsolidating with Jack. He's too proud to go around and say hi, or he hasn't tried to do this before. Because even the um the father says, if this is the way you're trying to get back into her life, don't. They do imply that she's still not over him. Yeah, willing to talk at least. Yeah, yeah. Not not having not going through the same situation myself, I can't really comment on it, but it sort of seems like Sarah and Jack are starting to work things out by the end of this episode. There's a whole storyline of Jack and his wife to be written. Well, someone did, but it's just not on, <laughs> on screen. But this would, for season one at least, this would kill any shipping ideas you'd have about <laughs> Jack and oh, yes. Carter. That was not to be, though. No. Cold Lazarus is pretty much uh, ends up being a standalone episode, even though it draws upon the very lore of the series. Yeah. And if truth be told, not a great episode. Definitely seeds of something there. Uh, the visuals on the planet, it looked fantastic. Uh, it had a few funny moments. There was some good character beats in it. But it all felt a little, it was a little too chopped up as well. Yeah. Dancing back and forth seemed at times to be too quick. You never really got to enjoy the moments between Sarah and Jack before you were back to the SGC for 30 seconds of action. Yeah, that's it. You sort of, you get a sort of a downer moment with Jack and Sarah, and then, okay, well, we've got to go back and have a bit of comedic stuff happening at the base. Letting one story or the other playing out, just reshuffling a little bit so you didn't have to have quick cuts back and forth. But, yeah, I think, I think the... Uh... <laughs> At the moment, the series, the series is going down. I still think I prefer Emancipation over these <laughs> last two. <laughs> yeah, try and see it on its own. It's okay, but just having the 17-year baggage behind it, it's very hard. You can't help but draw upon what came later to, you know, it colours how you view these early episodes. Mm. First time around, oh, I'm enjoying this. This is great. This is fantastic. You know, but then season two, season three, it gets better and better. And it's going to colour how you look at season one. Yeah. Still watchable. Our well, last episode, they, they had gate coordinates, so they were still looking for Share and Scara. And now, okay, well, they must be doing the same here. Nope, just a pit of crystals. It's like they're still in the back of the head. Well, we're still, we're still looking for those two, and there's still that 
big bad enemy out there. Surely there's something coming up where we get to run into them again and get into trouble. We'll see. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Okay then, folks, that was called Lazarus. Maybe not a brilliant episode, but interesting nevertheless. Okay then, Brad, thank you again and again and again. (laughs) (laughs) Not a worry in the world, Mike. Pleasure to be here. How's your Jurassic Park minute-by-minute podcast going? Yeah, good. We just passed the half-hour mark. (laughs) So, yeah, we're into it now. What's the runtime for that movie? 2.04. Ooh. Still a ways to go, then. Yeah, a quarter of a while. Oh, maybe not. I need to work my minutes and hours out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll get there eventually, but uh, no, that's going along quite nice. Two episodes out a week. Oh, that's not too bad. Yeah, and sort of keeping about 20 minutes an episode, which is great for editing as well. It's quite amazing when you listen to Star Wars a minute and they can go on for over half an hour. Yeah. And you, how can you pull that amount of discussion out of one minute to movie? But yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you can. And if you've got more than two people, it definitely helps as well. When you've got that third voice, you sort of look back at stuff on the whole. And yeah, you can soon fill some gaps. But no, that's all great. That's over at lostworldminute.com. Lovely. Have you seen the new Transformers yet? No. Sure, haven't you? No, I haven't. haven't no. Who did the re- oh, it wasn't you that did the review. No. Because we had tickets to go and see it at the major centres. That was a six-hour round trip for me, and I couldn't do it, yeah. especially on a Wednesday night. Anyhow, then, uh, once again, Brad, thank you very much for joining me. Off to work. Oh, yeah, always comes around too quickly. Right, if you want to get in touch with us, stargatearchives.com is the website. Stargatearchives at gmail.com is the email address. We are on Facebook and Google+. Plus. Search for Stargate or The Gatecast. And on Twitter, we are at The Gatecast. I never got around to changing our Twitter name. We'd love to hear from you. iTunes reviews would be fantastic. Two so far. We're a long way from getting what uh, The Gatecast ended up with. But plenty of time. That was Cold Lazarus. Next week, we are going to be joined by Alan for an Atlantis episode. Midway. Hope you join us for that. So, until then, I've been Mike. I've been Brad. Take care. Good night. Goodbye.